Good morning. Happy Easter. Happy Resurrection Sunday to you all. Good morning. And uh, it's lovely to be here. What a, what a joyful atmosphere today. And uh, no legal requirement for face masks. Isn't that wonderful? And we've got the ventilation on the go. So it's wonderful. It's great to celebrate. And um, some people are still want to wear the face mask and we appreciate and respect whatever uh, someone wants to do with respect to that. It's just wonderful to be together. The house is full. The worship was glorious, wasn't it? Come on, let's put hands together and just thank our wonderful, beautiful uh, worship. And the scripture readings, uh, just beautiful variety. Uh, come on, let's give it up for all those who did our beautiful scripture readings this morning. Uh, I want to speak to you. You know, on Resurrection Sunday, we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Master, Jesus Christ. Lord and Master. And um, uh, one of my children, when I was at the table last night, they saw a letter to my son, and they read it out to me, and she went, Master Levi Dowds. Why does it say Master uh, goes because that's what they call boys, darling. They're called master and girls are called miss. She went, huh, that's not fair. Boys get master. I mean, a master and we just get miss. She's like, she's like, who came up with this idea? We invented that. I want someone about, they get master. <laughs> I said, I don't know. That's just wonderful to see through the eyes of a child, isn't it? Wonderful to see uh, how they look at things fresh. That we celebrate today the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We remember the days leading up to Good Friday when Jesus, the Son of God, was crucified next to two criminals. He was taken down from the cross, as we heard in our reading, wrapped in burial clothes and placed in a tomb. And on Easter morning, as we heard read, Mary Magdalene discovers a stone has been rolled away. She runs and tells the disciples, and they run to the tomb. There's some benefit in exercise because one of them arrived first. John managed to outrun Peter. Um, they go in and they discover the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth that has been on Jesus' head folded up. And Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene and she mistakes him for the gardener. He's in his glorified resurrection body and yet he appears human. She didn't think it was a ghost. She didn't mistake him. She thought it was a gardener. But as soon as he says her name, Mary, Jesus knows everyone's name personally, her eyes are opened. And John 20 verse 31 says this, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. And some of you today are going to make that step. And some of you today are going to say and put your faith in Jesus Christ. That you may believe today that Jesus is Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing what happens, you may have life. Someone say life. Life, life in his name. Now, John sees these things are written so that you may believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And it's by believing that you may have life in his name. Now, that's important. It's not by working. It's not by performing. It's not by trying hard. It's not by being good enough. It's not by sacrificing, but by believing. 
This is called salvation by grace alone, through faith alone. But faith is not good enough of itself. It's what you put your faith alone in, and it's in Christ alone. You can hear many uh, motivational talkers speak about faith, faith, faith. Faith is, depends on who it's in, and faith in Christ alone. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ, is through believing in Him, not necessarily believing in yourself. It's not just about believing in yourself, but it's believing about Him in you can do all things. I can do all things through Christ. You can't do all things. You can't do all things through you. You're not good enough. You're not able and capable enough, but through Christ we can. Can someone say a good religious word? Amen. Let it be. Come on. Now, what does John mean that you may have life? 1 Corinthians 15, 22 on your screens. For as in Adam all die. So here's the key again. In Christ. Remember that. In Christ all shall be made alive. Can someone say alive? Coming alive. Again, we're told that in Christ all shall be made alive. And I love that word alive. I want to be alive. I want to be fully alive. You want to be alive. Who doesn't want to be alive? Now that same word alive, translated live, is used in this verse in John 5 verse 21. It says, for just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, that's what we're talking about, Resurrection Sunday, isn't it? Even so, the Son gives life to whom He is pleased to give it. The Son gives life. And an example that is used is a dead person being raised to life. And when Jesus gives life, He is resurrecting a person, resurrecting something that was previously dead. Now, it's interesting that the person is not described as being improved, amended, or healed primarily, but first and foremost, he's described as being resurrected, brought to life. He was previously dead and is now alive. And we see, how do we come alive? How does somebody come alive? That's a good question. Well, how did the first human being created from the dust of the earth, how was he brought to life? The book of Genesis tells us, Genesis 2, verse 7, the Lord God formed a man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. So when God breathed into Adam's nostrils, who was made from the dust of the ground, the man came alive. He became a living creature. But God breathed once more on man when Jesus rose from the dead and his new creation began. In Genesis, we read of the creation of man from God's breath. But after Jesus' resurrection, we have the recreation of man from God's breath. Again, John 20, verses 21 and 22. Here we go. Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. 
as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed. There's the breath of God once more. Jesus, fully God, in him the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. Here's God breathing again. He breathed on them, and he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus, fully God, blew upon mankind once again. First in the Garden of Eden, upon Adam, to create mankind. But then he recreates mankind through the breath. The word blue that's used here in John is the same word that God, for God, breathed into Adam's nostrils. We're being pointed to the original breath of life that was breathed by God, his spirit, to bring that which is dust worthless to something that is glorious, alive in the image of God. And that's what the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God does. It's the beginning of new creation, life from the breath of God. There is no life apart from the breath of God, but this time it comes through Jesus Christ breathing on his disciples. The breath of God, the breath of Jesus is when Jesus breathed, in him the fullness of God dwelled. And so when Jesus breathed, his breath is a spirit, okay? He was breathing the spirit. And that's why when he breathed on them and blew on them, he said, receive the Holy Spirit, because my breath carries the spirit, my breath the wind, the Spirit of God. And when He breathes, it brings dead things alive. It recreates. It brings life. We see this vividly portrayed in the book of Ezekiel in the vision of the valley of dry bones. What is it that brings a pile of dead bones? And maybe you feel like a pile of dead bones this morning. I'm feeling the heat. I'm absolutely boiling, just like I'm in the house. <laughs> can never get the temperature right. I'm always putting it down, and then it sneaked up again, and I'm putting it down, and it's gone up to 23 again, and it's down. To, get that down to 20. What, what is it that brings a pile of dead bones to life? You may feel like a pile of dead bones. There's good news today. It doesn't matter how dead the valley of dry bones you feel, you can come alive. What is it that makes the dead bones alive? What is it that resurrects them? What is it that turns them into a mighty army? None other than the breath, the Spirit of God. We see in Ezekiel 37, verse 5, Thus the Lord God, thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause, there's the word, breath, Spirit to enter you. And what happens when the breath, the Spirit comes? You shall live. Can someone say live? So I prophesied, verse 10, as he commanded me, and the breath, that's ruach, Spirit, it came into them. It's almost a prophetic vision of what's going to happen when Jesus comes and returns. That which is dead is going to come to life. And they lived. That's what happens when the breath, the Spirit of God, comes upon the dead bones of your life. They lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. And Paul expands and teaches in Romans that it's the Holy Spirit, the breath of God, who resurrects and makes alive and gives life. Romans 8, verse 11, Paul teaches that if 
the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead. It's Resurrection Sunday. Jesus came out of a tomb. What was it that caused the miracle? It was the same, same person, same power that put Jesus into the womb of the Virgin Mary. The Spirit of God came upon her and took that which did not exist into something which now exists, the, the Son of God in the womb. The Spirit came again, and this time it comes um, upon dead bones again. A valley of dry bones, dead bones in a tomb. Like Ezekiel, the Spirit of God comes and it raises Jesus from the dead. But Paul says, if the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Powerful thought there. Powerful truth there. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Stop for a minute. If, I mean, it's rhetorical. It's to those who believe him, follow him, this will happen. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who, powerful revelation here, dwells in you. Those who believe, those who follow, those who obey Jesus Christ. So there's a new home for God. God moved home. He moved into a new house. And it's called the new covenant where God decided I'm going to take up new residence. I'm going to get new digs. Not the student halls, but a royal residence. He's going to move into a new, royal, glorious residence. What's the new home? Well, Paul's highlighting something very significant here. It is the Spirit of God which gives life. It's the Spirit of God which resurrects and makes you alive. But there's more. The Spirit, the breath of God which gives life, dwells in you if you believe Jesus Christ, if you give your life to him, if you follow him, if you put your trust and faith and obey and follow him. And dwell is incredibly significant. That word dwell, it means to inhabit and live. And it's hugely significant. The Spirit of God, the holy, divine, glorious presence of God that used to dwell in the most holy place of the tabernacle and later the temple now dwells in you. <laughs> now, come on, let's not let the significance of that be lost on us. The Old Testament describes the high priest only once per year after lots of ritual sacrifices and ritual cleansing could even dare to come near to the presence of God unless he die. But Jesus came to earth as a new temple, the new dwelling place of God on earth. And we see that in John 1 verse 14. But it says the word, Jesus Christ, became flesh, that's the incarnation, and made his dwelling among us. That word dwelling, there it is again. It's like tabernacle. They're pointing back to the most holy, divine presence of God. It used to reside in the tabernacle, but it's now been tabernacled. The presence of God is now going to dwell in a new house, moving from a house of stones. And here we have Jesus Christ. It said it made his dwelling. God made his dwelling. God came to dwell with us through Jesus Christ. In him, the fullness of God dwells in bodily form. We have seen his glory, 
the glory of the one and only Son, the glorious presence of God when the glory came and filled the temple. People were in awe. And that same glory now came to dwell in a new home, not of bricks and stone built by man, but created by the Spirit in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And He came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And Easter, we celebrate new creation, a new covenant in His blood, that Jesus, He broke the bread, He drank the wine at the Last Supper with His disciples, and He said, this is my blood of a new covenant. He started a new Passover meal. We call it communion. The old temple, the old covenant, it's going to be done away with, no longer needed. And God explicitly revealed that when He ripped the veil in two from top to bottom when Jesus died upon the cross. Something's going to rip. Something's no longer going to be needed. Something's going to end. The old order of things, the old covenant, the old agreement is going to come to an end. We no longer need uh, tabernacles. We no longer need tables. We no longer need to sacrifice animals and goats and blood because there's going to be a new Passover lamb, a new sacrificial lamb. The Spirit of God, the very presence of God is now going to dwell on earth in a new temple. Firstly, in the temple of the body of Jesus Christ, but even more incredible than that, I can grasp that, I can get that, I can understand that. He's something even more incredibly mind-blowing. But then in the body of all who believe in Jesus, the new body, the new dwelling place is going to be the people of God, the true church of God. And we see that in 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now, you are the body of Christ. There's a new body. There's a new home. There's a new temple. And what is it? You are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Incredible. And we see in John 14, 23, Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my Father will love him. And we will come to him. Here we go. Here we go. You ready for it? What are they going to do? We're going to make our home in you. God's going to get a new home, a new home, a new residence, a new dwelling place. It used to be separate, kept behind veils, kept in a most holy place, behind a temple, only a great high priest through lots of rituals and sacrifices. But there's going to be a new dwelling place for God. And we will make our home in you. The presence, glorious presence of the Holy God will now come and live in the people of God. The presence of God that used to dwell in the most holy place. But Jesus said, you're going to be the carriers of the presence of God now. You will carry and host the presence of God. God never wanted a stationary building because he knew the, the presence of God had to move upon the earth. That's why the tabernacle was more preferential because at least it could move. But you are a moving, living, breathing people carrying and hosting the presence of God. And the presence of God can be manifest and cover the face of the earth through those, through his church, his global church, his international church, through all who believe in him. The presence of God is going to move into a new home of those who love and obey Jesus. Those who love and obey Jesus are going to come the new home for God, the new temple, the new dwelling place. 
Whoa, let the Spirit of God give us revelation and open our eyes. Like Mary's eyes were open. May your eyes be open to the truth of the good news of the kingdom of God, of the gospel of God. And that's why John 15, 4, he says, abide in me and I in you. Wow, the presence of God again is going to abide and dwell in you. He wants to abide and dwell. So you're a host of the presence of God. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, Neither can you unless you abide in me. So we need to abide in him, remain in him, abide in the Father's house. But to be honest, quite often we're just like Dave, the dog who likes to bolt. And one day in December 2020, I was out walking my son, Levi, and we were walking home. We're about half a mile from home, and there's this wee dog, Dave. We didn't know Dave. But at that time, Dave was running towards us, and his owner, who was slightly older and not so well able to run after him, was saying, please, can you stop my dog? Can you stop my dog? I'm like, piece of cake, a little dog like that. How, how difficult could it be? I'm like, watch this, son. Your dad can catch dogs, you know, watch this. So I start, come on, here, boy, here, boy, here, boy. And he's coming towards me. I thought, I'm going to jump on this sweet guy, and he's just going to catch him so easy. Come on, boy, come on, come on. Boom, right through the legs, bolts. Ten minutes, I'm sprinting in my top. I'm like, I'm not going to be put to shame by a little dog. I'm going to show my son. I'm a dog catcher. Watch this, son. Watch this. Levi's running about. The, the, the dog's owner's running about. There's cars going past on a quiet country road. I'm sprinting at the top end. I thought, I've got it cornered now. I'm actually diving in the grass. Like, I'm uh, trying to do a, a rugby tackle on this thing. And I just... I tell you, nothing we did. I was exhausted. I was absolutely sweating. Dave the dog made an absolute fool of me, and he was loving it. He's living his best life now, Dave the dog. And so he goes up into a garden, a big country house with a big garden, and we're like, this is embarrassing. We're running about the garden, and Dave the dog's making a complete mockery of us. They're trying to phone. The guy was looking after his daughter's dog. He's trying to phone his daughter. His wife's coming with a car, looking for him. Where's my, where's my husband gone? And farmer, I can't remember his name, arrives, starts assessing the situation. Oh, dear, <laughs> starts, uh, oh, you've got some dog here, eh? No, mine, it's not my dog, no my dog. Uh, and he's, um, so he watches us, he's like, try and get him in the gate, try and get him in the gate. Go on the gate, in the gate! We can't get him in the gate. So, farmer pulls out his three sheepdogs. Oh, round, I can round up lambs. Stray sheep, we'll get we Dave the dog. So he gets his three sheep dogs out. And the three sheep dogs look at them in action. Sound up, please. Thank you. Put the sound up, George. This is about half an hour after, by the way. Dave's been bolting for half an hour at least by now. Away to me! Away to me! Come on up. Come on up. So this went on for about five minutes until the three, the three sheep dogs had little Dave almost hypnotized. He was sitting there and I was able to run in and jumped on him and caught him. I was like, hey, 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 there you go, son. 
I couldn't do it on my own, but we got Dave the dog. We went back in the car with him, and he's a bit of legend in Salon. Uh, everybody loves Dave the dog. I did a wee uh, story on their Facebook page last night just to remind everybody. And, uh, but quite often, we're just like Dave the dog, aren't we? we are, where, is, where is Dave the dog on my notes? <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, there we go. Dave the dog likes to bolt from the father's house. <laughs> that can be like us. Because it seems fun out there, everything seems to be happening out there. Much better fun than this living room. It's a bit hot and stuffy. I want to get out of this house. But we need to learn to abide in him. And the presence of God will abide in those who obey and love Jesus. And that is the very presence of God, the Holy Spirit, that causes the fruit of character and good works to grow in our lives. And people will be transformed into the image and glory of God as we cooperate and dwell and remain and obey and hear. We will be transformed into the image and glory of God by the breath of God who brings life, resurrection, recreation back into the image of glory of God in which we created in, we fell short of, but Jesus died so we could come back to that image and glory that we have fallen from. To shine, to be the light, to radiate, to reflect the glorious nature of God. So we have 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17. Do you not know that you are God's temple? New home, God's moved residence, he's got a new temple. The old ones, abolished, destroyed, no longer here, but God's going to live in a new temple. What's the temple? You are the temple, and God's spirit dwells in you. That's hugely significant, guys. Massively, the presence of God we carry, we host wherever you go, your workplaces, your neighborhoods, you carry. His Spirit dwells in you. That's why if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy. And who is the temple? You are the temple. You host the divine presence of God. The old temple was destroyed. The old sacrificial system became obsolete in Jesus. No more lambs would be needed to be sacrificed because Jesus became our Passover lamb. He sacrificed upon the cross his own body. He shed his own blood. Perfectly innocent, spotless, blameless lamb of God was crucified like a criminal, crown of thorns gut-wrenching, agonizing death upon the cross. He took it knowingly. That's why he sweated drops of blood in the Garden of Gethsemane, because he knew what he was up against. He knew what was ahead of him, and yet he did it willingly. He, he did it for the knowledge of the sons and daughters you would come home to, Father. He died so you could live. He was separated so you could be united. He was wounded so you could be healed. He was rejected so you could be accepted. He was resurrected so you could be recreated. Back into the image and likeness of God. Can we put our hands together and thank Jesus Christ for his sacrifice. The Spirit gives life. The Spirit gives life. John 6, 63. It is the Spirit who gives life. 
The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Incredibly significant again. What is it that gives life? The spirit. The flesh cannot resurrect itself. No matter how much we try, what attempts we have in the flesh, we cannot resurrect ourselves. We need a miracle. Life, new life, recreation is only made possible by the Spirit of God. It is a life who gives, it's the Spirit who gives life. And I'm just going to skip a few pages here. So we can start bringing this to a close. We'll skip forward to in Father's house. Now, yeah, there we go. In Father's house. Jesus tells another story about resurrection. He tells another story about a dead son coming back to life. It's a familiar story. It's called the story of the prodigal son. But the father says something surprising twice in 24 and 32 on your screens. This my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And he began to celebrate. 32, it was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this your brother, he was dead and he's alive. He was lost and is found. So the father's describing this story when he's away from home. How does he describe him? He describes him as dead and lost. And when he comes back to father's home, he describes him as alive again, resurrected and found. See, the father could use many descriptions for his son when he was away from home. He could have said, for this my son's having a rebellious moment. For this my son is a little confused. For this my son is having, struggling with his mental health right now. For this my son's not thinking straight. For this my son's off his heat. For this my son's backslidden or hurting or discovering himself. But no, the father deliberately chose the word dead. He wasn't literally dead. But his father describes him as dead. He was physically alive. He was breathing. He was having fun and partying and possibly enjoying himself for a while. But still, he's given the description of dead. Remember what the serpent says to Eve in the Garden of Eden if she eats the fruit? She says, you will not surely die. Satan knew rebelling against God doesn't lead to sudden physical death. He won't surely die. The prodigal son didn't die. He kept on living. But it would lead to being sent out of the garden of an intimate connection and relationship with Father. Last few minutes, guys, we're going to try and draw this to a close. Bear with me. Thank you for your patience. See, this is death according to God's definition. When you're outside of Father's home and garden, out of intimacy, out of connection, out of friendship with Father. That's God's description of dead. Yeah, a person may be alive physically, may be enjoying themselves, may be having fun for a while, but in Father's eyes, they are dead. Why? Because they're lost and away from home, away from their original purpose of walking in the garden with Father created to be in Father's house, walking with Him, enjoying with Him in His garden, enjoying His plans and purpose for Him and His family, 
They were designed to talk to Father, listen to Father, pay attention to and do their living Father's will. So when they're away from Father, the prodigal son was dead, unresponsive, separated, no longer hearing Father's voice. But the good news, all who are dead can return home. And that's what we celebrate on Resurrection Sunday, that not only Jesus Christ can come back to life, but dead souls can come back to life. You say, well, I'm not dead, I'm living, I'm breathing, I'm, I've got a few struggles, sure, I'm not, but I'm not exactly dead. Well, according to God's definition, everyone outside of his home is, is as good as dead. Yeah, you're living and breathing, can still do good things, and much good can still be done. I don't uh, argue against that. However, missing the fullness of relationship and adoption as children of God. So what is alive? In closing, alive. What does it mean to be alive? It means to be at home with Father, eating with Father, connected to Father, united with Father, walking uh, with Father, speaking to Father, listening to Father, enjoying Father, serving Father's instructions, and loving Father and His family. Come home today. Come alive today. John 20, 31, we said, these are written so that you may believe. May you believe today. If you're listening online at home, if you're here in the Vine Church, may you believe today Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in His name. Romans, in closing, Romans 6, verses 3 and 4 says, You were buried, therefore, with Him by baptism and death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too, you too, today may walk in newness of life. The Passion Translations empower to walk in the freshness of new life. May you come alive by the Spirit of God today. May you receive the breath upon the dry bones of your life today. You receive it as you receive a gift. You receive it by believing. You receive it by putting your trust in Jesus Christ as the one who died, the one who was a perfect spotless lamb who shed his blood. And you choose to follow him, putting his way above my own way. And as you walk, you get recreated and made alive and resurrected so that you can walk in freshness. Springs about fresh flowers blooming. It's time for you to bloom again. It's the time for fresh smells and aromas to be released from the earth of those dormant seeds that once were dead. But unless a seed dies and goes into the ground, it cannot bear fruit. May you come alive today. The freshness of life is a walk with God, constantly in and aware of His presence in you. His presence will make you glow, shine, and smell sweet, so that you release a sweet aroma and fragrance wherever you go. And as you walk in your homes, your neighborhoods, your cities, that you will host the very presence of God and carry the very sweet-smelling aroma and fragrance of God with you wherever you go, that through our yielded lives, we may spread the fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere we and you and I go, like Lindsay in this story to finish. Then we're going to have the band back up. Here's a story about Lindsay who carries and hosts the presence of God into the Bronx, 
to some of the neediest, hurting, poorest children. She's an example of what many of you are doing. Many of you are teachers or nurses or midwives or whatever you do. You similarly, like Lindsay, are carrying and hosting the sweet-smelling aroma and fragrance of the presence of God, bringing life and love, comfort and healing wherever you go. We'll finish on this. When I first moved to New York City, I thought I knew why I was coming here. It was going to be an adventure. I had my own agenda. I had no idea how much I would fall in love with the kids of the city and how much they would teach me about myself and change my life. I treasure my morning commutes on the subway. It's my time. Sometimes it's my only time with God. In those moments, I know his love for me, and I know that that's going to carry on throughout my day, and I know it's going to help me to do my job well. The Bronx is one of the toughest neighborhoods in the country. 75% of the people live below the poverty line, and where there's poverty, of course, there's going to be violence and sadness and strife, ugliness. Right in the middle of the Bronx is Middle School 223, where I'm a reading and writing teacher to sixth graders. It's where I spend my days every day. A lot of our kids at our school go home to shelters. They go home to homes where they're in charge. They see people get shot in front of their apartment door. Life has not been easy for them or kind to them. Morning. Good morning. Hey guys. Thanks for coming in quietly. Many of my students haven't been loved well. They've been abandoned. They've been promised things that have never come. They've been promised relationships with their fathers or mothers that have never happened. And so they're just worn. They're weathered. And they don't trust love. On the first day of school, the first thing that I tell them is, I've been thinking about you all summer. Like, I love you already. You may not believe this, but you can't earn my love. You could make straight A's all year and have perfect behavior all year, or you can get detention three times a week and I'm gonna love you the same. And then I spend all year trying to prove it. I want you to think back to Monday. We chose that one personal narrative that we're going to publish and celebrate and put out there to the world. Who am I as a person? What do I really want people to know about who I am? Well, it wasn't until recently that I realized that God had been preparing me for this job, for these kids at the school right now. I grew up in Georgia, mostly at my grandmother's house because my mom and dad were divorced. And then when my dad got married, I felt like I wasn't good enough. He, he wanted me to be perfect. I just wasn't good enough anymore. But I know I don't need other people to say I'm okay anymore. I did that my whole life, and I think I'm finally done. So maybe now I can just be Lindsay, and if I make mistakes, then oh well. I'm not only as good as what I do. 
Growing up, and especially now, even as an adult, I still long for that love and acceptance, and God has shown that to me and given that to me so that I can go and give these kids the same love and acceptance that they have always wanted, too. Over time, I really do believe this classroom becomes a safe haven for them, a place where they feel accepted and they know they're going to be safe and it's comfortable. I think God loves these kids so much, more than I could ever hope to love them. But I think He wants them to rest and to be happy. I think He wants to heal their hearts. Every day they walk out of my classroom, and at the end of the year, they walk out of my classroom forever. It's so hard. It's hard not knowing what lies ahead for them or what type of choices they'll make, and I just have to rest. I've done everything I could do. I've loved them the best that I can. And my hope is that they'll figure out that God loves them so much more than I ever could. Yeah, Pradeep, if you could just play on the keys for a few minutes, just a few minutes, then we're going to have a final song of worship. Today, I want to invite you to come home. He will give life to those who believe in Jesus Christ. Good Friday, he died upon the cross. The Son of God was the only innocent human being, the only one without sin to ever walk a whole life of entire perfection, obedience, surrender to the Father's will. And the blessing that he received as part of that, he wants to give away to you. And you're joined to be united with him in his death by putting your faith in him. Choosing to believe he died for you, and so you'll be united with him in his death. He will forgive you for every wrong, whether it's deliberate, whether it was accidental, whether it was big in your estimation or small, it's all the same to God. We've all fallen short. We've all gone astray, all gone our own way, each his own way. And we're invited to come back to Father's house today. To say, Jesus, I have blown it many many times i don't deserve to go to heaven i don't deserve the holy presence of god to reside in me i could ever earn it because if you think you're good enough you've shut the door that's why it takes humility when you think you're good enough and you don't need god you've shut the door to god been able to bring you new life it starts with humility and that's where god comes to the broken to the poor to the needy to the one who falls on their knees and says oh god forgive me a sinner in the pharisee said thank you god i'm not like that one but god comes to the those who are broken in sin oh god forgive me i've much I've done wrong in my life. I've hurt many people. I've been selfish many times. I've not prioritized you or loving others. I'm sorry, God. Please forgive me. I want eternal life. I want the security of knowing I'm going to heaven. I don't know when this world will end. 
I don't know when my life will end. Life is very fragile. In an instant, any one of us can take us away. I don't want to use fear to motivate you to put your trust in Jesus Christ because fear doesn't work. But we should live with a healthy awareness and be grateful for every breath because there's no guarantee I'm waking up tomorrow. There's no guarantee. We had a pastor friend who stood on this stage, Pastor Warren Beamer, no longer with us in a car accident. Young man, you and I both know people are leaving this earth. But God wants to give you eternal life starting now. He doesn't want you to wait till death. Fullness of life he wants to give now. Fullness of life. The prodigal son thought as being away from father, doing my own thing, having no restrictions. Then that will lead to happiness and fulfillment. He realized eating with the pigs. No, true life is not having freedom from all restrictions. I need restrictions because I don't know what's good for me and I make bad and poor choices every day. And so I come back to Father's house. I remain in Father's house. And for those of us who have followed Jesus Christ for many years, we drift, we stray, we wander. We're invited to come back to the gospel of grace the free gift by grace alone. We receive a free gift by faith alone in what Jesus Christ done for me on the cross. I can assure you people from my own experience, when I'm most joyful, when I'm most peaceful, when I'm most settled, when the restlessness of my heart is far from me, is the closer I am to God. And the closer I remain to his presence, for that is what we were created for. I'm going to invite you today to come to Jesus Christ, receive forgiveness of your sins, come and be adopted as his child, and know for certain today, when you die, you're going to live forever and ever in the glorious presence of God because of what Jesus Christ did. Come and join the family. Don't do it through your mind and understanding. Of course, we can ask questions and analyze, but come with your heart. I don't know everything. You don't know everything about the chair you're sitting on, but you chose to sit on it and trusted it wouldn't collapse. You don't need to know everything. <laughs> Just trust the chair of Jesus Christ that he's reliable and secure. He was a good carpenter. His chair is not going to fall apart when you put your, he's a good solid foundation because you're going to face storms. You're already in storms. There's uncertainty of the future, but have a secure foundation when you put your faith in Jesus Christ and you do it by saying this prayer on Easter Sunday today. Maybe you can have a resurrection where you come alive today. You put your trust in Jesus Christ today. You choose to follow him and you choose to join the family of God. And we choose as the church of God, God, I put you first in my life. God, I want to live and abide in you and you to abide in me. God, I choose to follow you and trust you and walk with you and host and greater awareness of your presence. And like Lindsay, that teacher in the Bronx, that we would host and carry your presence and love. Yes, it's difficult. Yes, Lindsay has difficult days. Yes, she gets discouraged. Yes, she feels like giving up sometimes. But we take our two fish and our five loaves and we just feed. We give them to Jesus. That's what Lindsay's doing. Just give your two fish and your five loaves. Give it to Jesus. Just say this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, thank you for the cross. I'm sorry, Lord, for going my own way. 
leaving your house and thinking freedom was out there somewhere, true freedom is in your home as your child. So I ask you today, forgive me, Lord. I choose to receive you into my life. I choose to, I receive your forgiveness for all the wrong I've done. I say, sorry, God, for going my own way. Sorry for the things I've done that have hurt you and others. Please forgive me. I receive you into my life. And I choose to the best of my ability to follow you, knowing that I depend on you, Lord Jesus. And today, I want to know for sure I'm going to heaven. When I stand before you on judgment day, as each one of us will do, and God, when he says, why should I let you into heaven? We can point to Jesus Christ and say, he has given me the free gift. I put my trust in him. He's forgiven me and will be accepted through what Jesus Christ has done. And we receive that free gift. We receive it today, Lord. I receive your presence right now. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, we pray. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill each temple, part, individual members of the house of God. Fill them right now. We pray that you would bring healing, comfort, and strength. Your divine presence would come right now in Jesus' name. Now, unashamedly, as the church continues to close your eyes, but unashamedly, as Jesus hung naked, unashamedly on the cross for you, unashamedly put your hand up today. If you came and said that prayer, I want to give Jesus Christ your life. Just put your hand up nice and high. No shame. We're not going to pull you at the front. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to put pressure on you. But did anybody say that prayer for the first time today? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? God receives you today. New life has started for you today. The Lord, just heal this person. Bring your comfort and strength and presence, we ask in Jesus' name. Anybody else? Online, you can click accept. I follow Jesus. Just now, there's a little button. And uh, just to indicate if anybody's online. And last, last minute, anybody else? Anybody else want to come and start resurrection life today? Let's stand on our feet, Vine Church. Put our hands together and thank Jesus for his death is resurrection and for resurrection life. There is more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. Come on, I said there's more rejoicing. Come on, rejoicing in heaven. Join heaven. Join heaven. Join heaven. Join heaven this morning. Let's rejoice. Come on, church. Let's rejoice. Thank you.